Happy Monday and welcome back to the Locked On Red Sox podcast. We hope everybody had an amazing and relaxing weekend. I am your host, Massachusetts Powers Team Insider, Jake Inazuski, and I'm here with my co-host, Nesson writer, Lauren Campbell. We greatly appreciate everybody making Locked On Red Sox your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. But in this episode, Lauren and I are going to be touching on some of the minor league signings that the Red Sox have had over the past few days, as well as touching a little bit on the Trevor Story situation after a big deal went through with Carlos Correa going to the Minnesota Twins. And Lauren and I are going to be talking about our reactions to that crazy signing. All right, let's get into this episode. Our Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I wanted to start this episode off touching on some of the Red Sox spring training games. We obviously saw the first game against the Minnesota Twins, the Red Sox winning 14 to 1. But yesterday, or we're recording this on Saturday, so on Friday, uh, we saw the Red Sox walk it off with top prospect Christian Koss hitting his second home run of the game and hitting a moonshot over the monster. When you first saw that, Lauren, what was your reaction? It was fun. It, you know, I know spring training games don't count, but this is a really fun time to see the, the prospects, especially. And, you know, Koss's second home run of the game was a big one. And like I said, I know the games don't count, but just to have that that energy and that excitement already around the team, especially, you know, there's a lot of pessimism around the team right now with this lineup. And they've looked decent. I mean, it's 21 runs in two games. It's not too bad, but I... I'm having fun. I'm glad baseball's back. It was a great way to end a game. Um, the excitement was there. And it's nice that Koss's dad was filming the, like, the recording on his phone. It's just so pure. Like You love those moments. So just a really cool, exciting moment all around. I couldn't agree more. And that what a bat flip that he had. I, I, I saw the... It was the... just a drop. Just all the... <laughs> just the... Bam, right on the ground. It was awesome. I saw the, I saw the video that uh, MLB posted on their Instagram and... Uh, we actually have the opportunity to uh, interview Christian uh, on Monday. So that episode will be coming out Tuesday. So we'll get an exclusive reaction to from him himself on, on uh, you know, how he felt off of the bat from that home run. But as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of pessimism around the team right now. You know, it was nice to see Nathan Navaldi on the bump getting some work in. And we also had a good friend of the show, Cole Cottom, back there on the backstop catching for uh, Evaldi and now going into Saturday's game we see Pavetta and it's nice because now we're starting to see some of the guys that we'll see in the Red Sox rotation getting ready for the season yeah and it's you know I know that it's kind of condensed it's a shorter spring training than there usually is because of the lockout but I it was good to see Evaldi on there and it's not going to be we're not going to see lights out from these guys I mean they're getting their work in they're ramping up now so I'm not like I'm not concerned at all about Evaldi Cora said today he felt fine so that's the most important that you're feeling okay the day after your, your start. So it's good to see him. I'm excited to see Pavetta. I'm, I got a lot of faith in Pavetta this year and I'm excited to see hopefully what he can bring to this rotation. 
Me as well. And, you know, we, we saw another guy in Bobby Dalbeck uh, get his second home run of the spring. He's starting to look really good, uh, but I can't really get my hopes up too, too much. As we saw last spring training, he led the entire MLB in home runs. And I'll, I'll never forget Jared Carabas saying on Section 10, this guy is going to hit 55 home runs minimum. And, you know, we obviously saw those rookie struggles in the first half. And then he obviously uh, started catching up in the second half. But I'm excited to see him starting to look really good. Yeah, it's really encouraging to see him start spring training very strong. Obviously, with the two games, two home runs, that's something you want to see. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, these games don't count. Any People can have a really, really strong spring and be so bad in the regular season. And then vice versa. They can have a they can struggle in spring training and just be dominant in the regular season. But I think it's a good start for Bobby Dahlbeck. I do think that the rookie struggles were obviously there last year. Um, and then he kind of got that that fire lit under him, probably because Kyle Schwarber was was traded for. And I think that we're going to see a, a good, strong version of Bobby Delbeck. And I think he's really going to kind of come into his own this season. And I think it's it, there'll probably still be struggles. You know, there is it's only going to be a second full season, so you we can't expect the world from him. But it, there is reason to be optimistic with his first two games, and hopefully it's going to continue throughout spring and carry that over right into the regular season. Very true. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see him playing second base a little bit, the outfield as well, see how he really performs out there. We, we saw the Red Sox pick up and, and bring back uh, first baseman Travis Shaw to a minor league deal yesterday. And, uh, you know, if he does make the major league roster, he'll get uh, $1.5 million. But we could potentially see Shaw slot in there at first base before Cassis potentially comes up midseason if we if we see Dalback either at second base or in the outfield uh, during some of these games. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a depth signing, like a lot of these most recent signings have been. And what Cora said about Shaw on Friday kind of really stuck out to me that he's like, we saw the quality at-bats and the limited at-bats that he had for Boston last season when he was claimed off waivers. And they liked what they saw and they, they saw enough. They said he's still in really good shape. He looks really good. And I mean, it's it's not a, a signing that's going to get people super excited. They'll, they'll get, they'll, for Red Sox fans, they will be no, they're not going to be over the moon. They're not going to be like if Red Sox go out and sign Trevor Story. But Shaw, he began his career in Boston. He was when he came back last year. Was all that excitement was around him, and he had the, the walk off grand slam. So he's he's a fine player, and I think he'll be a good platoon if he does make the the big league roster. But also, it's a minor league contract, so the Red Sox are an injury away or an illness away from needing him to slot in. So. And he has some versatility there too. So it's, he can play the infield. He can DH if they need him to. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, he comes cheap too. So it's a good depth signing familiar with the organization was fine last year, but I'm not expecting, you know, 25 home runs, 30 home runs from him or anything like that. Yeah, people forget that Shaw came up through the Red Sox farm system, uh, you know, came up with Xander Bogars, Rafael Devers, Christian Vasquez as well. So, he, like you mentioned, he has familiarity with the team and over 28 games uh, last season after getting picked up off of waivers, hitting 238 with three home runs 
and 11 RBIs. And I'll never forget, you know, his first real action with the Red Sox hitting a grand slam walk off. And, you know, he, he, he uh, got the nickname Mayor of Ding Dong City. So, you know, the Red Sox are in Heimblum are, are definitely crossing their fingers that they can get some of that clutch hitting that we saw from Travis Shaw last season as well. And, you know, they also brought back another guy in reliever hands out Robles, who we really saw down the stretch, uh, really start to come into his own. And uh, he's also reported coming back on a minor league deal as well. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, the front office is definitely crossing their fingers that they can get uh, the second half sort of hands out Robles performance. I hope so. Cause I hate this signing. I hate everything about it. I did not, I was not a fan of him last year. He did have his moments. Yes, but it was just, I would, I would have been happy if the Red Sox just decided to move on from him. So I know it's a minor league deal. It's not guaranteed that he'll slot into this bullpen at all, but the bullpen does need help. And he's a perfect candidate to, to slot, to slide in there. So I'm not thrilled with it. I am, like I said, I would have been happy if the Red Sox, if he was never in a Red Sox uniform again, I want to be proven wrong. I like, I like when I'm, I'm happy about something and then it's, I'm wrong. I want to be wrong, but I, I'm just I don't have anything like positive to say about this deal other than it's it's a minor league and he might not make the the major league roster but like I said hopefully he can prove me wrong because the signing stinks well, I was a little bit happier when I saw that it was a minor league signing, as you mentioned, that he, he could not make the team and they could start him down in Worcester to give him some time to get acclimated, you know, especially with this shortened spring training. It's going to be even a little bit shorter for him. I, I mean, he's still in the Dominican Republic right now waiting for his visa, according to Alex Cora. And, you know, over 25 innings last season, uh, pitching a 360 ERA with uh, an impressive 30.3 strikeout rate. But as you mentioned, you no, know, he was very unreliable, especially when he first started with the Sox. And he even, even uh, a little bit, you know, down the stretch when he started looking a little bit better, also in the playoffs, you know, when he came in as fans, you sort of hold your breath, hoping and praying that he's not going to let up a go ahead home run or blow up this game. Yeah, there's a lot of pitchers like that in the bullpen now. When you think about you last year, we had the pitchers come in and you're like, oh no, it's a two run game. And you have Ryan Brazier on the mound. Hansel Robles would come in and there, there was just no confidence. And there's still not a ton of confidence in this bullpen. They need that reliable arm desperately. And it's not Hansel Robles. <laughs> you're always going to make me laugh when you, when you bring up Ryan Brazier. But um, so we, we asked uh, locked on Red Sox Twitter, what they thought of the Hansel Robles uh, signing of, uh, we got Jamie Gatlin saying, I love it. Uh, we got um, uh, Jess saying, yuck. We got uh, Just- <laughs> I Justin, agree with Jess. Justin Van Dyke, indifferent. Uh, we got New York Patriot uh, saying, barf. Uh, so, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, some people like it. Some people don't like it. It's a little bit of familiarity, I believe, with Red Sox Nation to why they're a little bit um, – not as upset as we may think. Uh, but, you know, the Red Sox also brought on another guy who I was a little bit indifferent on. You know, when I first saw this signing, it I, first thing that came to mind is pitching depth. And I don't really think this guy could really make the major league roster or start the season in uh, reliever Derek Holland. A, lo- a lot of people might remember him uh, being a really good starting pitcher for the Texas Rangers back in, you know, 2011, 2012. But he's not the same guy that he was now at 35 years old, you know, uh, between 2020 with the Pirates in 2021 with the Tigers uh, logging 90 in a third total innings. He had a 588 ERA. And I look at this as a depth piece. I don't look at this as a 
a signing to get excited about that he's going to bolster the bullpen or anything. Yeah, I think, you know, like like the other signings, they're just depth. And I know, I can't remember who tweeted it, but they quote tweeted that tweet and were, it was like depth with the Dr. Yeah. Evil gif with the, the air quotes. So I thought that was funny because I was like, yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about it too. Um, you know, no one's going to be the same guy they were 9 or 10, 11 years ago. Right. But it's that ERA is a little high. It's too high for my liking. Um, you know, it is what it is. I think that the Red Sox here are just making the smaller moves like they have for the last two or three years, really. And hopefully that means a bigger move is coming that will please Red Sox fans because right now there's they're not very happy and they have every right not to be happy. You're watching the other teams around you in your division just continue to make the moves that help them. And the Blue Jays are all of a sudden just like this unbelievably stacked team. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, that maybe the, the odds have them at fourth place. Maybe that's not maybe that is uh, not reliable. That is realistic. And right now it kind of seems like they are only better than the Orioles at this very moment. Well, and then when you also see John Heyman reporting, there's a possibility of, uh, you know, second baseman, third baseman, uh, Jose Ramirez uh, from the Cleveland Guardians going over to Blue Jays. Yeah. I see that. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? That infield and that lineup uh, is going to be unstoppable. But, you know, we, we, can, we can only make that comment when it actually happens and hope and pray that it doesn't as Red <laughs> yeah. Sox fans. Uh, but lastly, they made a few uh, minor uh, minor league moves. Uh, we could potentially see uh, these guys not in a Red Sox uniform anytime soon. We'll probably see them in Worcester with uh, Dan Altavilla. Uh, he signed a two-year minor league contract and is currently recovering from Tommy John surgery. Uh, and he, we can most likely see him uh, starting to pitch a little bit in June or July. Um, in 2020, only pitching nine games with a 312 ERA. Mostly look at this as uh, sort of like a depth piece of, you know, if, if a guy does get injured, we might have the depth for a, uh, you know, major league potential, not, I don't want to say proven, but a, a veteran type of player that we could just slot in for a game or two. And then also, uh, Debbie Grulian, uh, he signed on a minor league deal, invited to camp. Uh, 26-year-old catcher appeared in five major league games last – or no, not last season, excuse me. Uh, in 2019, four with the Phillies and one with the Red Sox in 2020. He went two for 12 um, in, in that tiny sample, uh, as well as uh, over 616 plate appearances in AAA with a 260-year-array. So these are minor, minor league signings, but uh, I just wanted to touch on those for Red Sox fans uh, to – understand a little bit more of what else the team has been doing yeah i mean like like the others they're just depth pieces they're depth signings and and if they're not going to help the red sox maybe they can help worcester or portland wherever they end up playing but it's like the other signings they're not going to cause red sox fans to be really really excited and get them pumped for the the 2022 season Completely agree. And I think one thing that we're seeing Heim Bloom do is is really be as cautious as possible for the possibility of there to be a lot of potential injuries, maybe another COVID outbreak, hopefully not. Um, but I, I think he's trying to be rather cautious and careful than, you know, not doing anything at all. And we're seeing half of the AAA seat, uh, half, half of the AAA team up 
on the major league roster, you know, on, in April last season. Um, so he, I think he's trying to get some proven major league guys that we can trust if that situation does happen again. But um, going into our second segment, we're going to touch a little bit on uh, the possibility of Trevor Story coming to the Red Sox. As I mentioned before, we're recording this on Saturday. So we're going to touch on this as if we as if a deal hasn't happened yet. And uh, we're also going to react to uh, the Carlos Correa deal and how that could potentially impact uh, Jose, excuse me, Xander Bogards going into his final contract season, at least before he could potentially opt out for the 2023 offseason. But first, uh, I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen every single day. Uh, now go and check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Uh, your host, Lindsey Crosby, is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And then I also want to take a second to talk to you about Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds contests and player props betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball betonline is your continued source for all your sporting wager information needs including live betting in your favorite favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action bet online where the game starts. So going into this next segment, I just want to get your reaction on waking up this morning when you saw Carlos Correa to the Minnesota Twins for three years, 105 million. What was your first reaction? I was just like, what the heck? Because the <laughs> Twins were not a team that I expected to even be in the running. He, probably one of the last teams I expected him to even go to. But the contract is is really nice. And this is what Scott Boris does, right? I mean, he, he leverages that that contract and his clients. And we're seeing this with, with Correa. He can opt out after 2022. What year is it? Um, so... I mean, it's it's a it's a good contract. It's it's also kind of tradable. So if their twins are at the deadline and they are very much out of it, they can trade Correa for some some prospect pieces, some some depth there, and maybe rebuild their team to try to get into contention for years down the road. But I mean, good for him. He got it's certainly. I was expecting a much longer term, a bigger money contract, and I think that's just because before the lockout. So much was surrounding, oh, is he going to get a 10-year deal? Is he going to get some even five- to eight-year deal? And he didn't sign anything that anyone probably thought he was going to. Um, but good for him. I'm glad that that piece of the saga is over and we know where he's going. We know where he will play. There will be no more speculation. I am excited to hear, you know, in his introductory press conference, the decision that went behind it, how long maybe Minnesota's even been involved in this and what was right. like really the deciding factor. And if any other um, information comes out about potential deals from other teams, see maybe what he turned down. That's probably my favorite thing about free agency is looking at the other deals that got turned down by players. Cause you, you look at some of them and you're like, why would they turn down this? But I mean, Correa is going to get paid either way. And now yeah. he has a chance to play on a different team at the trade deadline and only three years. This guy's in his prime. And the only thing that concerns me is he does have the back problems. And is it worse than we may may have seen or may know about? And he's getting a smaller term deal because they're unsure just how, if this injury will impact him going forward. I think the number one thing that intrigued him and Scott Boris is the uh, opt-out years after each season. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I 
gives me a flashback to the Nicholas Castellanos uh, signing with the Cincinnati Reds in his introductory press conference. You know, a reporter asked him, why were those opt outs after each season so important to you? And he goes, takes the microphone and puts it right over next to Scott Boris. And he goes, that's a Scott question right there for you. <laughs> and I, I think it sets him up perfectly for a potential mega deal in either 2023, 2024. You know, Trey Turner, as well as potentially Xander Bogards, are free agents uh, going into 2023. So we could see Correa potentially looking for that 10-year, uh, 325, 350-um type of deal. Uh, but I think this makes the Trevor story market so much bigger. You know, now that the Astros don't really have a uh, reliable shortstop other than uh, I think they have a prospect over there that, that they were thinking about slotting into that position. But with the Astros and really the Yankees, the only teams uh, in the mix right now for Trevor story, that will give him a guaranteed spot at shortstop. As much as I want Trevor Story in a Red Sox uniform playing in Beantown, I think that those are the most likely teams, and that's something that uh, we saw Jeff Pat, or excuse me, um, John Heyman report uh, this past uh, few days ago. Yeah, and Trevor Story makes sense for the Yankees and the Astros. He still makes, I mean, still makes sense for the Red Sox, but he has to play second base if he comes to Boston. And there's a lot of talk about that, and we could talk for hours about Xander Bogart's future his time at shortstop, will, would he want to move? But, you know, I think that Trevor Story going to either the Astros or the Yankees, especially if he goes to the Yankees, that the AL East is just getting stronger while the Red Sox are just kind of not doing anything to bolster their their roster and their chances of winning the AL East, uh, getting to a deeper run in the playoffs, being more than just a wild card team. So, I mean, of course, the, the Yankees and the Astros, of course, they're going to be interested. The Astros lost Correa. The Yankees spend a lot of money, so it makes sense for them to be involved. Um, obviously, I, I'd love to have Trevor Story here. Just, like I said about Freddie Freeman, he makes your lineup better. Um, but it's just a matter of if the Red Sox want to shell out the money, are they going to give him what he wants when he gets here? So there's a lot of what ifs, and I think there might be too many what ifs for the Red Sox to end up signing him and we also heard that the rangers as well as the giants um are in the mix as well and you know when you look at it the rangers have uh cory seager as well as marcus simeon slot in second base and shortstop so we could potentially see story at third base uh as well as the giants have uh um Brandon Crawford as shortstop so you know those three teams that i just mentioned is those two teams as well as the red sox have players in that shortstop position that they're not really looking to move uh, to any other position. And I think that could be the deciding factor for story. And as I mentioned, you know, this with, with the Correa deal, you know, I think we saw a lot of guys, especially story waiting to see how Correa's deal could really um, make his market even bigger as well as potentially set him up for a big payday. So we could see, you know, the Astros and the Yankees, paying a little bit more than they would have for Trevor Story, let's say, if he had uh, signed earlier than Correa did. Yeah, and we see this a lot, that one person sets that market. And not just for the rest of the free agent class this year, but for free agents next year, for players who can opt out after next year. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of a lot of what-ifs can go into signings and potential uh, big money deals, how it could impact others. So, uh, very interesting Saturday morning for sure uh, when it comes to the free agent market. 
And then we also saw this morning that, uh, you know, when a reporter asked about the possibility or um, excuse me, when a reporter asked Xander Bogarts about uh, the Carlos Correa signing uh, reported by Chris Cotillo that uh, J.D. Martinez came up right next to him and said Xander's going to be very rich. And so, you know, this sort of set up the uh, market for Xander Bogarts uh, for this possible next season where he has the opportunity to opt out, you know. Him and Devers have said multiple times, I love this place. I want to stay here for the rest of my career. But as we know, you know, money sort of dictates people's decisions. And so we could potentially see Xander Bogards walk away from the Red Sox this next season looking for that Carlos Correa or Corey Seager type of deal. But obviously, as Red Sox fans, we want to see him in Beantown for the rest of his career. Yeah, money talks. And I think that when Xander Bogart signed this extension, we knew that he was criminally underpaid with it. We knew that the opt-out was probably going to, to come unless he suffered some giant downward spiral. Um, but he's earned that. I mean, obviously he's earned, earned the right to opt out. He absolutely should opt out if an extension can't be reached. And it sounds like he doesn't want to talk during the regular season that he'd be fine talking and, until opening day. And he's like, Nope, once opening day hits, I want to focus on the season, which that's, how it should be. You don't want that looming over your head and you don't want the reports getting out there that maybe nothing got, uh, nothing got done on time, blah, blah, blah. It only creates more of a distraction, but yeah, this, I, I mean, the second he signed that extension, like I said, I knew that he was probably going to opt out. He's going to get paid, whether it's from the Red Sox, it's going to be interesting just given the history of letting people walk, whether it be John Lester and then trading Mookie Betts um, and just like letting people get away that probably should have been lifers. So it will be very, very interesting to see how the Red Sox handle Bogarts, whether he decides to opt out or if they can get something done before then. So, I mean, we'll see. I don't, I'd love to for Xander Bogarts to be in Boston for the rest of his career, but Red Sox got to open up that checkbook. Very true. And that's something that we haven't really seen so far, This, especially this offseason, especially since Bloom has taken over the biggest contract that he has really given out is Kike Hernandez, two years, $14 million. And, you know, we saw another guy that the Red Sox were interested in, Nic- Nicholas Castellanos, going to the Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, th- this really is sort of minimizing that right-handed uh, position player market that Bloom said that he was going to be heavily involved in. And, you know, one guy that comes to mind who – I haven't really heard anything on quite honestly in the past few days is Jorge Soler. And I think he could be a perfect guy to fit into that uh, outfield position as well as he could slot into DH as well. But I think his swing is perfectly fit for Fenway. Uh, But, you know, especially with spring training in the next two weeks, you know, I'm very curious to see what sort of moves the Red Sox do make to potentially, you know, fill out this depth chart and answer a lot of questions that we've been wondering not only throughout this whole offseason, but ever since the lockout has ended. Yeah, and time's ticking. I mean, opening day is two two weeks away or so, so they need to really kind of ramp it up or commit to going into the regular season with what they have. And if they go into the regular season with what they have, there's going to be a lot of angry Red Sox fans. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, but we're going to go into our last and final segment of this episode. But Lauren just wants to take take a second to talk to you about Bill Barr. 
So I obviously love Built Bar. You know that by now. And it's March. We're almost in April, which it's just crazy to think about now. So usually by this time, my New Year's resolutions are out the window, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. And Built Bar makes that super easy, especially when it comes to the Built Bar Puffs. They are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. So they're marshmallowy, obviously. They're really fluffy and they're just really, really good. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate, just like all other Built Bars all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, high protein. Go to built.com, check out their macros because they're, most of them are 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. They have a flavor for literally everyone, mint brownie, coconut almond, my personal favorite, cookies and cream. You can never go wrong with that. And at Built, at built Bar, they're all about taste. So they don't taste like cardboard. They're not very cardboard boardy. They don't have that shocky kind of taste that some protein bars have. And if you head on over to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you will get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So going into our third and final segment, you know, I, I just want to take a second to uh, thank absolutely everybody that has taken any time out of their day to listen to this podcast. You know, we, we get every second once. And, you know, even if you listen to a second to Lauren and I talking about our favorite team, you know, it really means the world to us. We, we love talking about this team. We love giving you guys uh, updates and our opinions uh, about this organization. As, as frustrating as it has been since the lockout has happened, you know, we're definitely both very, very excited that Red Sox baseball is back, baby. Uh, but we have some very exciting guests, very exciting people to talk to. Uh, one person i'm going to mention like i mentioned at the start of the show we're going to have uh red sox top prospect christian cost uh that episode on the show excuse me that episode will be coming out on tuesday but i'm going to allow you guys to uh get excited for next week because i'm that's the only sneak peek that i'm really going to give but we're going to try and get some uh, Red Sox fans on, on the show is, is to give their some of their opinions before uh, the season starts, but we want to get you guys as involved as possible. Um, something that we've mentioned uh, throughout this offseason is we want to be the most engaging Red Sox podcast that there is out there. So we want to hear your guys' thoughts. Tweet at us and follow us on Twitter. Is locked is lo underscore red Sox, and we try to post red Sox content every single day and get you guys involved and hear your thoughts about everything that's going on about around the team uh also follow myself on twitter it's at jake iggy as well as lauren it's uh la 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 three laws lauren with four r's but we greatly appreciate everybody making locked on red Sox your first listen every single day now make your second listen locked on mlb Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So as I mentioned, if you have not yet, subscribe on YouTube or on whatever audio platform that you're listening to so you never miss an episode of Locked On Red Sox. We're going to be going back to five days a week. So you're going to be seeing and hearing Lauren and I's voices and you're going to be seeing our faces five days a week from now on. So get ready for a lot of exciting and fun content coming from this podcast. But as always, we greatly appreciate all the support and we hope that everybody has a great rest of the day. See you next time.